Hey everybody, it's Mike Coughlin, President and CEO of McKinney Flavel. Before we get started on today's podcast, I want to wish everyone a happy, safe, peaceful holiday season. At McKinney Flavel, we are truly grateful for all our partnerships and look forward to navigating with you through 2024. Your goals and our expertise make a great pair, don't they? And remember that when life gets busy and stress begins to mount, we can all benefit from keeping an attitude of gratitude. We must take the time each day to remind ourselves of what we are truly grateful for and slow down to reflect on what's really important. But it goes beyond that. You don't have to look far to realize that the world and people in general suffer at times from stress in various life situations. I'm reminded of a recent conversation I had with my son. I asked him, what impact can we have on others? He said, well, dad, little acts of kindness can impact many people. You do something to make one person happy, and then they do something to make someone else happy, and then someone else, dad. It's called the ripple effect. We should all try this in our daily routine in 2024, small acts of kindness. If you interact with someone that seems tense or troubled, find something cheerful to say. We lift ourselves up together. Now on with the podcast. Bikini Flavel's Hot Commodity Podcast Series. Empowering clients with commercial intelligence, supply chain expertise, and risk management solutions. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Mike Coughlin, President and CEO of McKinney Flavel, and today is December 29th, 2023, and welcome to our Hot Commodity Podcast Series. Gosh, hope everybody's enjoying the holiday season. We're almost there. We're almost to the new year. And we're going to do our favorite podcast, which is our year in review and what to expect for 2024. So I'm joined by all of our analysts, all of our great folks out there. So why don't you just say hi, everybody? Hi, hi everybody. Wow, they do follow directions. They just said hi, everybody. I, listener, oh, wait, I could have them say something. Well, no, let's just move on, move on. <laughs> All right. You can hear Nicole there. So uh, again, this podcast, we cover different uh, commodities and we talk about what happened uh, over the year and what to expect in 2024. But before we go on to that, I want to put a plug in for our spring market seminar that is in Oak Brook, Illinois on April 17th. Put it in your travel plans. It's going to be another awesome seminar, one day seminar. So look forward to that. You can register soon on our website at mckinney flavel.com. Okay, let's get started. Let's get started with dairy first. Let's go to our consultant to the stars, Jeffrey Rosinski. Hello, Jeffrey. How are you today? Hey, Mike. Happy holidays to you. And if it's okay with you, we're not only going to cover dairy, but I think we're going to do a combination of dairy and cocoa. I think you should. The two for one holiday special deal. It's called the chocolate milk special. Let's do it. There you go. So I have two markets to talk about. Frankly, one makes sense to me, the other not so much. Let's start with the more straightforward of the two, dairy. This makes sense to me in that it's being guided by the fundamentals. Dairy cow numbers, or the total number of heifers we have you know, seen in, in the United States, has been in decline. Stocks of key dairy ingredients like butter and nonfat dry milk have also been falling, reducing availability of uh, safety stock in the marketplace. Prices found a bottom in the uh, late fall and have been had a firmer bias or tone um, that uh, will likely carry us forward into the early parts of uh, 2024. 
uh, we will likely need two things to happen for kind of the, the, you know, the mood or the tone of the market to change. First, we need to stem the tide of culling um, or reduction in the herd we've, uh, we've seen since the, uh, you know, earlier in the year. And you know, we'll see that herd recovery or expansion hopefully come into the market sometime in the early springtime flush in early 2024. Total milk output will also need to expand or grow on a month-on-month basis. And until we get one of those two things to happen, buyers, in my opinion, should be on the defensive and consistently looking for opportunities to buy into any weakness in the marketplace. Now the market that doesn't make so, you know, so much sense to me. So cocoa has not been really trading in a logical sense. Fundamentals are only now catching up to the price movement that we've already seen or witnessed that occurred you know, throughout you know, most of 2023. Prices advanced since the start of the year by uh, 70%, largely on balanced fundamentals with a nominal deficit. And prices kept advancing despite fairly anemic demand and offtake. So I would characterize this as the cart was clearly in front of the horses in terms of the cocoa market. Arrivals are now lagging and origins are revising their cross estimates lower. And the deficits are starting to build and grow and prices are trading at 47-year highs. So the industry is, is clearly contemplating more aggressive price increases as we, as we move or evolve into 2024, and that will likely spell trouble for sales and offtake next year. All that being said, Mike, I'll, I'll leave our listeners with this thought. It's hard to advocate aggressive buying and positioning yeah. for a market that is trading near or at 50-year highs. Yes, very well said. Okay, let's uh, shift over to the economy and energy and our director of risk management, Sean Bingham. You said stock market will look better. You said energy prices will drop. What happened? Well, yeah, I said a lot of stuff. You've got got most of them. So yeah, let's do a little review. Uh, I said that uh, Fed funds would go up at least 50 basis points, and they went up 100 basis points. I said that uh, fourth quarter GDP would be negative, maybe. Uh, I was wrong on that one. It was uh, 2.6%. Uh, never went negative last year. Like you said, I mentioned that stocks would bottom in the first quarter of 23, and they bottomed on March 17th and then went up 24.5% as we stand right now. Thanks, Sean. Do it again. Do it again. <laughs> Do it again. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to give that Rosie a uh, call this time. Uh, and crude oil, uh, boy, you talk about a tough market to peg. I said we would probably average between 70 and 75 because we've got, got that soft floor around $68 uh, a barrel. And the actual average last year was 77.80. Uh, but the low print was uh, about 66.60. So for the most part, I think I was more right than wrong. Now looking ahead. So I'll start where I left off. Fed funds. I think we're going to have uh, lower rates in my my guess for the first rate cut is going to be at the June meeting. I think we'll probably get 100 basis points in the second half, but that's about it. So I think we'll probably put Fed the fund funds rate about where it uh, started in uh, this year. Inflation is going to be problematic. I think CPI core inflation is going to come down to about 3%. And probably hold. I, I don't think we're going to get anywhere near the Fed's two percent target, and that's not just this year. I, I don't think we're going to see uh, inflation get anywhere near the Fed's target for probably several years. GDP. Well, the consumer went on an absolute spending spree last year, 
And uh, I mean, we saw some pretty high GDP numbers in the third quarter. I think this year or 2024, I think we're going to see GDP hovering a lot closer to 1%. I'm not so sure we're going to dip into negative territory, but if we do, it wouldn't be a a complete surprise. S&P, I think we'll make a new high. Uh, We're almost there right now. So uh, that's not saying a whole lot, but I think S&P will make a new high in 2024. Uh, And then we're probably really looking at something like more normal gains for the stock market, maybe seven to eight percent next year. You know, we got two conflicting things. You've got you got the Fed lowering rates, uh, but we also have a slowing global economy. And I I think that'll just kind of put us more on the what would be a normal trajectory for uh, annual turns for uh, equities. And then crude oil, crude oil is always a tough one. I think there's a good chance we actually do fall below the $68 floor. I'm going to put my average price for crude for 2024 around 65 bucks. I think this is my most daring call for, for next year because the EIA has their target at $78 for next year. So I think we're going to be below that. I think there's enough you know, we're, we're record production here in the United States. I think we're going to see global demand fall. Uh, and I think we're going to see a continuation of uh, just gasoline demand slowing. So those are my, what is that? One, two, three, four. Those are my five predictions for 2024, Mike. Excellent. Thanks, Sean. Let's shift over to Sugar and uh, our favorite here, uh, Kevin Combs, Vice President of McKinney Flavel. Kevin, uh, yeah, I'm. I'm. You weren't on last year, so you 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 got all your predictions right. You said that uh, we top out in the upper twenties on the eleven, and in big end uh, the end of the year in the low twenties. You said sixteens uh, would uh, get down under forty by the end of the year. Gosh, you just were perfect. You know, I can't believe how I hit the curve right. The timing was perfect. I did everything. I won't talk about the guy who covered sugar last year because. He seemed to miss a few things like, wow, you know, he, he didn't come on and say that there was going to be dry, horrible monsoon in India and we we're going to end up with uh, a poor crop this year for India. He didn't come out and say Louisiana was going to get burnt up this summer and, and cane yields were going to drop. And, you know, Mexico, a second year of drought in a row that was even worse than the year before. As we go, he missed all of those things. I mean, how can he not know what Mother Nature is going to do? Well, that and some lottery numbers, I think, will go a long way, right, Kevin? Yeah, and I'm recommending Powerball right now. I think it's approaching like 600 million. So, uh, yeah, go out and get your Powerball tickets. At least it supports schools or something like that, anyway. So you feel good about yourself if you do buy the ticket and lose. So predictions for next year, Mike. I think they're going to be uh, equally hard. You know, we saw this huge run up in the number 11s, which helped support the number 16s. And uh, now we've come back down to uh, more typical levels on the number 11, hovering in, you know, just below 22 cents. Right now, I think we are looking at probably a situation where it's probably gotten a little lower than I would have anticipated. So I think now uh, I would be looking at the 11s to be on the increase because we have a super strong reliance on Brazil. We're expecting huge production from Brazil. Uh, energy prices have been fairly firm, as Sean just said, which has you know supported the number 11's rise as it went up, has also now, as it come back down, has uh, helped bring it back down. 
I think you're looking at these, you know, low to mid 20s will probably run up closer to uh, 24, 25 cents, maybe, and then uh, slowly come back off uh, from those types of levels. And we really need good crops in India, Thailand, uh, even China, et cetera, that Asian market in the fall. And of course, you know, hopefully when we're talking about this next year, we've talked about Mexico getting sufficient rains and a big crop. U.S., of course, having good crops for the number 16. And uh, as the 11 goes, you know, particularly this year with things being so tight on raw sugar market for U.S. imports, USDA has a lot of work to do to manage that. So I think you're looking at that number 16 market to uh, remain at those near high tier import levels. That's another thing we missed. I mean, who is going to expect uh, US to be forecasting 465,000 metric tons of high tier imports already? So tightness will continue. And then uh, my other last bold prediction on sugar will be that we will be booking sugar in March again and uh, start talking about 2025 here very, very, very soon. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to go out on a limb too much here. I think, uh, you know, kind of hearing indications of similar pricing to 2024 at this point in time. And given all the things, you know, the the number 11 is at uh, similar levels to where we were last year when we were talking now. I'm kind of looking at, you know, things will be very similar uh, market-wise for uh, 2025. Okay, Kevin, uh, let's shift over to corn. Craig Ruffalo, Vice President of McKinney Flavel. Craig, uh, you had promised prices declining over the year, and especially in Q4. Thank you very much. All your corn buyers out there love you. Uh, you also said the acreage will compete uh, with soybeans again. So what happened and what should we expect moving forward? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you, Kevin, for throwing me under the bus because <laughs> I absolutely didn't do well on sugar. And he's absolutely right. I couldn't predict weather. No better than the weather people can predict weather, but yeah. But uh, I have to stop you. I have to stop you here, Craig. He said he would give us the lotto numbers, yeah. so I think we're going to be all right. All right, all right, that's good. Oh, I, I think you're right. But on the corn side, yes, I predicted that we would compete for acres on beans. We would see that production would be over fourteen and a half billion bushels, uh, and we'd see a stocks building year uh, for the first time in a few, and that. That all did come to fruition. The interesting thing was I was probably hedging my bets on my price projection. As I said, December corn might get down to 610. Oh, did we ever? Uh, We got down into the 470s. So we got a little bit of a benefit to the downside. As far as next year, uh, I still see the competing uh, for acres. Right now, the bean to corn ratio, no beans to these corn is 2.52. Slightly favors beans over corn. So there may be a little bit of a prediction of a maybe a million and a half, maybe even up to two million acres swing back to beans with a tighter carryout. As far as where I think the balance sheet will go for corn, I'm, I'm predicting we're probably going to see another slight stocks building year for the simple fact is if Sean is correct and we're going to see $65 crude, that probably will mean that ethanol demand will flatten out. And if that's the case, then we probably will see the ethanol numbers uh, come back down a little bit from where USDA is projecting. The export number is going to remain strong. U.S. is now the most competitive corn crop out there. 
Uh, we do have some worries about getting it out of the Mississippi River uh, with low river uh, levels and through the Panama Canal if we're going uh, towards the Southeast Asian market. But I think we'll stay uh, competitive throughout the 23-24 uh, crop year. Bottom line, I think that we'll find that uh, corn prices will average somewhere between 480 and 490 a bushel for the crop year. Uh, and then as we get into the new crop, uh, 24, 25, we could see it come down slightly from there. The, the summer months will be the critical component of keeping prices from falling below 480 uh, a bushel. And that's what I think will happen in 2024. All right. Thanks, Craig. Uh, let's move over to Eric. Eric, yes, you're going to talk about wheat. Eric's our uh, commodity specialist with McKinney Flavel. Eric is setting increased production in the U.S., and decrease in the global front. What what happened in wheat this year and what do you think is going to happen? Well, to say, you know, just generally an increase in U.S. wheat production uh, doesn't sound too bold, but it really was at the time when you consider we were in the triple dip La Nina and severe drought. But leading that that uh, prediction was a prediction of uh, much higher acreage, uh, planted acreage, which we did see. We planted point almost 4 million more acres, 4.1 million more acres than last year for wheat and barely got, I'll say, enough yield to get us that increase in production. So we hit 1.8 billion bushels this year, up from 1.65 billion bushels last year. And, uh, you know, that that comes with though still a crop that struggled mightily with drought and a uh, significant amount of unharvested acres uh, 12.3 million total acres went unharvested. If you can imagine that, uh, 25% of that total planted acreage didn't even get harvested this year. And when looking at the main wheat class variety, hard red winter wheat, we only harvested 66% of the 25.7 million acres planted. So looking ahead next year, at least in the U.S. side of things, I'm going to kind of stick with production where I think generally the theme is going to be acres will be down maybe as much as two to three million acres down, but production will be up. I think we could actually sneak up to two billion bushels worth of production, you know, maybe 200 million bushels more than last year, even with fewer planted acres. We've seen the uh, return of El Nino really do uh, uh, a number to reducing the severe and extreme exceptional drought in the Southern Plains, especially in some other key wheat growing areas. So I think that's going to be an area of recovery and optimism. Uh, I would also say a prediction is that maybe 12 months from now, we could be looking at La Nina again, which maybe gets a little concerning for 2025. So count that as another prediction on the weather side uh, and something that wheat and, and those following that market will be watching closely. And then on the global side, I said that production would be declining there. That also played out true we are currently projected and probably will hit somewhere around 783 million metric tons. We were 789 million metric tons last year, but there was estimates going into this year as high as uh, almost 800 million metric tons. So we didn't get there. We saw pullbacks from Australia uh, of notes, Argentina, Canada, and the U.S. again struggle a little bit as well. But next year, I think we are going to be looking at a ending stocks recovery and ending our four-year decline in stocks level at 258 million metric tons. I think we will recover 
and, and hit somewhere, I'm going to call it 267 to 270 millimetric tons for next year. So that's what I got, Mike. Excellent. Thank you, Eric. Let's go to our final guest, Nicole Thomas, Vice President of Information Sales and Service. Boy, Nicole, you said optimism. I love that optimism once we get through Q1. And you said prices should equalize between soybean oil and canola oil. Give it to us and give us what the year of the dragon. I think it's the year of the dragon in 2024. So what does it hold? It's the year of the dragon. Um, what does Bruce Lee have to do with anything? I'm a little confused. So yes, as far as uh, last year's pr- prediction, I would say, you know, we did see prices, generally speaking, kind of come down a bit and settle into a little more of a, a normal reality. We had some points where uh, we got dips early in the year, dips later in the year, and we uh, are, are still sort of pursuing that that new normal. We did get something in the way of, the, of surprises. Uh, Argentina didn't fare too, too well with production, and that obviously had an impact on things. But elsewhere globally, uh, things uh, seem to get a, a little back uh, back to normal uh, for those who've been around for a while and seeing things that uh, a scenario where you've got trouble in multiple uh, regions of the world now just kind of easing, easing as far as the production is concerned anyway. So a little bit of optimism there. And I think, you know, if I'm looking forward to 2024, I've got a bit more in the way of optimism. So I'm going to make a couple of big uh, kind of, guess, bold predictions this year. And just as, as Sean alluded to with crude oil being an incredibly challenging one to guess, uh, these vegetable oils experience a lot of volatility as well. Uh, it may have something to do with that energy piece too. But I think for the first one, USDA currently has that 23-24 soybean oil use for biofuel production. They have their projection at 12.8 billion pounds. So my first bold prediction here, I think that when it's all said and done, we are going to hit or surpass 13.3 billion pounds of usage there. And hopefully we've got some offset elsewhere <laughs> via imports is, pro- is likely where that's going to come from. Uh, maybe a little more weakness in exports and maybe a little better production than expected with higher yields to make that happen. Because I'm sure as people hear me saying that, and then they look at where ending stocks are projected now, I probably gave some heart attacks, but it's okay. I think we're going to work it, work its way out because the second prediction, I think is the one that's going to make folks most happy. And I think by the end of 2024, we are going to find that extremely elusive new normal for soybean oil prices, the futures specifically. And we are going to make our way into and comfortably trade in the 40s with much better global production of soy than we've seen in a lot of years, including hopefully a little boost in the U.S. market as well. We're going to share the wealth a little bit, so to speak, in terms of feedstock usage for biofuels and uh, including renewable diesel. So uh, even though we're still looking at a strong number, not as strong as it would be were it not for some of these other 
competing feed stocks like canola oil, like uh, spent greases, and like tallow has been thus far this year. And overall, maybe some settling in the energy markets that limits that influence on soybean oil. Uh, so that by the time we're having this conversation in uh, 2024, things are looking much better for vegetable oil pricing overall. And they did improve quite a bit this year. So maybe I should say slightly better, but again, kind of getting back to uh, where things should hang under normal circumstances, at least for 2024 and into early 2025 before that La Nina makes life interesting for us all over again. So that's that's what I'm hoping for in 2024. Excellent. Thank you, Nicole. And uh, I want to thank all the analysts. This was great. This is what to look forward in 2024. And also remember our spring market seminar on April 17th in Oak Brook, Illinois. And you know, Nicole, Year of the Dragon, Inner the Dragon, which was one of my favorite Bruce Lee movies, to your point, yes. 1973, 50 years ago. But you know what was great about the Year of the Dragon? It represents prosperity and good ah, fortune yay. so yeah let's look forward to a great 2024 i want all the analysts here to wish everybody a happy new year can we do that for everybody all our listeners out there and thank you for listening happy, happy new, new year, year. Thank you for listening. There you go. <laughs> They're so good. They're so good. Excellent. So we're going to wrap this one up. As I always like to say, live with an attitude of gratitude. Enjoy every minute moment with your friends and family. Until next year, take care, everybody. That concludes this podcast episode. For expanded commentary and more detailed information, log on to McKinney Favelle's IQ Ingredient Intelligence Platform and listen to our Market Insights podcast. If you're not a subscriber, visit bikini-favel.com for more information. And as always, follow us on YouTube, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter.